Amen. Everybody, hey, go ahead and grab a seat. Hey, and there's some joy in the house this morning. You guys feel it? Why don't we spread some of that joy around? Give somebody a fist bump next to you. Say, if you're comfortable with it. If not, like I said, give them the opposite. Yeah, there's plenty of room. Man, what a great day. I love New Year's. I love New Year's because it's like we get this restart, right? We get this like restart push button. Like I messed up last year, I'm going to do better this year. You know, like January 1 hits and there's all this new life that comes into the picture. And what I feel like it is quite often is it's almost like new hope. That there's, there's hope that I could do something different this year. I, I could change something in my life that would impact me differently this year. I can make a change. So as I was getting ready for this message, I looked up what the 10 most New Year's resolutions were, the 10 biggest ones that people do. And I'm just going to read through them real quick. Number 10, read more. Number 9, travel more. 8, spend more, uh, spend more time with family and friends. 7, quit smoking. Number 6, save more money. Number 5, live life to the fullest. That sounds like a good one. Number four, learn a new skill or hobby. Three, get organized. Number two, lose weight. I've been trying that one for many years. <laughs> many years. Number one, exercise more. You know what I found interesting about New Year's resolutions is that there's people who have done studies that say that only 8% of people who make one complete it. It's a very poor percentage. 8%. And all these things we just talked about are all great things, right? I'm spend less money. I'm, I'm going to take better care of my health. I'm going to do this. But if you look at all these things, they're very big things, right? Lose weight or uh, you know, quit smoking. These are big, huge things, and they're very broad. And the reason why they said only 8% of people complete it is they don't do three things. So I'm going to give you three things real quick that if you're still in the process of figuring out your New Year's resolution, these will help. The first one is keep it simple, Keep it simple. Don't do something so just grand and huge that it's too big because it will become too overwhelming. Make it tangible and make it obvious. Uh, now, I want to share a real quick story. What I mean by this, keep it simple, make it tangible, and make it obvious. There was a time in my life where I, I, I wanted to lose weight, like I said, and have that New Year's resolution. And uh, I thought the thing that was making me gain weight was meat. So uh, I'll just, you know, I, I feel like sometimes I stand up here and I just am so like open about all my stuff I mess up with, but I love you guys. So here we go. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to become a vegetarian this year and I'm going to lose weight. Now, the hard part was, is my parents own a cattle farm. So that was a weird dinner time. Uh, but I, I tried this vegetarian lifestyle and I just, I made this big broad thing. I'm going to lose a hundred pounds this year. Probably not a healthy weight loss goal, but I was young. And so I make this thing, and I'm going to do it by not eating meat. That was my thing. But what I did instead was I just went to Taco Bell and ate bean burritos every day. Like, I was like, because I don't know how to cook. And so I was like, I'm just going to eat bean burritos. I've got to be healthier. And by like six months in, I was 10 pounds heavier. I was like, how is this happening? It's because I had this big goal, this big thing in my life. I wanted to lose 100 pounds. If I just would have made it simple, something like, I'm going to change my portion size of my meals. I'm going to change the times I eat. Something simple and more tangible probably would have worked better for me than eating Taco Bell every day. Um, but, you know, we digress. Uh, so my thing I want to do this year, and the thing I want to focus on this year isn't on this list, but I think it's the most important thing that any of us can do. The thing I'm going to focus on this year and make my resolution is I'm going to get closer to Jesus. I'm going to make it simple. I'm going to get closer to Jesus. 
I'm gonna make this year about me and him. Because we know that we live in a world where there's a lot going on, there's a lot of distractions, a lot of things that can take us one way, and I think in more than ever in history, this year, the people who are gonna find that joy are gonna be the ones that lean into Jesus more. The ones that find themselves sitting at his feet, listening to his words. So that's mine. And I hope by the end of this message that would kind of stir something up in you to make that your New, your New Year's resolution as well. Now, this passage we're going to be reading through is we're going to read straight through a passage today as Paul is talking to the church of Laodicea. And I think there's some great things we can pull out for our life. It's in Colossians 2. I'll start in verse 1. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea. And for many other believers who have never met me personally, I, I want to stop there just in this first verse. Paul is talking to them. He's saying, I want you to know how much I have agonized over you. Something sticks out to me. When we read the word of God, we can sometimes read it with that was to them. That was to that person at that time. I want you to, as we continue to read this passage, Paul was talking to this church of Laodicea, but he's also talking to us today. We are that you that he's agonizing over. He's talking to the church. He's talking to you. And I want you to soak in the rest of this passage that this is for you. It's not something that just happened thousands of years ago. This is a passage for you. So as we continue to read in two, verses 2 and 3, I just want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The first thing that sticks out to me is I just want them to be encouraged. Encouraged. What Paul knows here is that a discouraged believer is easy prey for the enemy. When we lose encouragement, when we lose hope, when we lose hope for a future, the enemy is able to pick us off one by one. Paul is saying, I want you to stay encouraged. I want you to stay focused on God and who he is. Live in that encouragement because the enemy is not gonna quit. And I'll just say this, there's been times in my life, in my spiritual journey, where I felt that, that feeling of discouragement, that feeling of a lack of hope. There is nothing harder in life than when you lose hope. When you don't see that future, you don't see that that light at the end of the tunnel. It just feels so dark and heavy. That's why Paul starts off with, I hope you stay encouraged. And I think that should be something for us to focus on this year, to stay encouraged in Christ. That this world is not going to get easier magically. Things aren't just gonna like flip a switch and things are gonna be great. But we serve a God that is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We can always stay encouraged in him because he never changes. His word never changes. His plan never changes. He is steadfast. So when we find ourselves in discouragement, latch on to Christ. Latch on to him. And lean into that so you can feel encouraged again. The second thing that sticks out to me is he says, and knit together. Knit together. What he's talking about is this idea of unity. And I don't know about you, but unity seems like a word that we haven't spoken about a lot in current days. We're very divided. We have different ideas, we have different opinions. It feels like our world is split. It feels like everyone has a different opinion than me and you, and it just feels like we're divided. But what he's saying here is it doesn't matter what happens 
outside of the church. But the people of God need to be unified. They need to be unified in one thing and one thing alone, Jesus Christ. No matter what we have different, political opinions, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, where we live, what we do, the one thing we all have in common as believers is Jesus Christ. And that should be enough. I think we've, we've, we've made things really confusing about this Christian faith and what we're called to do. I, I, I want my year to be unified in this aspect of I am unified with my brothers and my sisters in Christ and Christ alone. And my job and their job is to stand at the gates of hell and redirect traffic. That's what we're supposed to do, is to stand and redirect. I just want to stand there and say, hey, you're going the wrong way. You know what's going to help with that? It's not going to be tradition. It's not going to be what songs we sing. It's not going to be what we read or what we do. It's going to be Jesus and Jesus alone. That's the only one that can turn someone away from hell is Jesus. And so we need to be unified in Christ this year. Be unified in him as a church. You guys still with me? Yeah. All right, let's continue to read. Verses 6 and 7 of Colossians 2, it says, And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow deep into him. And let your lives be built on him, that your faith will grow strong in truth that you are taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. The first thing that sticks out to me here is this. You accepted Christ, now follow him. You, you, you've made this step from death to life. Now we are called to follow him. Jesus says this in Matthew 19, 21. When he's speaking to someone who asks the question, what do I have to do to follow you, Lord? Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Why is this important? Did Jesus want this guy to be poor? Did he want him to get rid of everything? That is not the main purpose of this. What Jesus wanted was to be the number one voice in his life. To follow Jesus, we have to be willing to completely surrender everything in our life. If our New Year's resolution is gonna be being closer to Jesus this year, being closer to him, we have to be willing to surrender the things in our life that might be distracting us from him. And we all have things that control us. We all have things that drive us. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's just having fun. Sometimes it's family or status. We have to ask ourselves, what is the thing controlling us and driving us? Those things aren't bad. But Jesus should always be the number one. I, I, my, my mantra for this year is, you can have everything. Just give me Jesus. I mean, I'm saying that with this, the, the most sincere heart I can preach is there's nothing more in this world that I want for 2022 than for me to fall more in love with Jesus. And the only way I can do that is by following him, listening to his voice, listening to where he tells me to go. And the second thing it talks about in this verse is it talks about digging your roots into him, to take root. What, what, why it says this is because when we, the roots of a tree is what brings life to the tree, correct? We are called as believers to dig our roots into Jesus, to, uh, to, to put our life completely into him, allowing him to sustain us, him to give us life. And why this important of roots, why this is important is as Christians we are called to bear fruit, correct? And we will bear fruit. But what we are bearing will determine what we're plugged into. 
If we are plugged into Jesus, we will bear fruit that honors Jesus. But if we're disconnected, if our roots are not dug deep into him, if we are not connected to him, our fruit won't look like him. So my prayer is that we would have that kind of moments this year. We have those times where we say, okay, whatever it takes, I'm going to dig my roots into Jesus. I'm going to dig my core of everything into him. And the next thing it talks about is it says being built on him. A strong foundation. Why is it important for us to build our life on Jesus? Because like I said earlier, in this world, in this life we live in, he is the only consistent. He is the only one that if we build our lives on him, will never break. The storm won't take us away. There's a parable in the Bible where it talks about building on loose sand and rocks and all of this, and it's putting us in a position to listen, to build our life on Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm gonna go on a little tangent here, so please forgive me. We have to focus this year in 2022 on making that building foundation Jesus. And there's stuff in our life that maybe we've started to replace the foundations of. Maybe it's our preferences, maybe it's our politics, maybe it's our friendships. If our life is being built on those, they will crumble. But when we build our life on Jesus, no storm could ever wash us away. No storm could ever take us. The storm will come and hit and batter, but if our, our house is built on a firm foundation, we'll be okay. Amen? So let's continue to read in Colossians 2. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. Let that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. When it says capture you, that can also be translated to don't let anyone lead you away as prey. Don't let anyone lead you away as prey with empty philosophies. These empty philosophies, and one thing that's just really stuck out to me is there's gonna be a lot of people, a lot of people who say things, who speak for God that aren't from God. We have to be really careful about this idea of empty philosophies, that these things that people will say or say is truth, that it sounds godly, it sounds great, it sounds spiritual, but we have to ask, is it really coming from God? Is it really coming from God? And there's, a, there's three easy things we can do to make sure that we are not being led away as prey to empty philosophies. The first thing we need to do is we need to learn the voice of God. You need to be spending time praying, hearing from God. So when you hear these philosophies, it'll be easier to hear God in it. You'll be able to know his voice to know if it is from him or it's not. The second thing you can do is reference the word of God. Plain and simple, and if it is not in the Bible, it is not from God. God's word is a great reference check for us. That when we look at the word of God, if things take us away from the word of God, if it contradicts the word of God, it's not from God. Because God doesn't make mistakes. Amen? The third thing we can do, and this one's very important, don't get emotional. Don't get emotional. I mean, we're, we're a people who thrive on our emotions, right? We, we are led by our emotions often, but when it comes to these philosophies, when it comes to teachers and people speaking into our life, friends and colleagues, whatever it is, we cannot get emotional and caught up in a moment. This journey with Christ, this life with Christ and honoring him is not a, just an emotional-driven thing. It's a truth-driven thing. 
It's, it's his word. It's his voice, not how we feel. I don't know about you, but if I, if I lived my life always based on my emotions, my life would be pretty messed up. Because there are some days I wake up not in a great mood. Isn't that true? Am I the only one? I thought some people were going to be like, amen, Shane. But there's sometimes I wake up where I'm sad or I have things going on and these emotions can determine my day and I can be caught up and led away as prey if I give in to them. What I'm saying here is, is don't lead with your emotions, let God lead. Let God lead. Follow him. And then the next thing it talks about is this idea of human thinking. And what it's also kind of saying here is this idea of human understanding. We would almost interpret it as tradition today. Don't get caught up in man's tradition of Christianity. Don't get caught up in how things are done. Don't get caught up in how things look. Get caught up in Jesus and Jesus alone. Because why he's saying this is important is that when we create our spiritual foundation, when we create our relationship with Jesus, and it's built on traditions, it's built on preferences, it's built on how we feel, and not solely built on Jesus, that foundation is weak. So he's calling us to build our foundation, not on human thinking or human tradition, but on Jesus alone. And like, there's a lot of things that we, as Christians in the church, we get caught up in. We we have arguments, we have discussions, we have have what I call like heated conversations with each other over certain things. And one I hear all the idea when it comes to this human thinking is this idea of truth and grace. I mean, think about this. How many times do you hear someone say like, that church is all grace, no truth? That church is just truth, no grace. Meaning that there's this idea that Jesus brings grace, but Jesus also brings truth. And if we are living in human tradition, we can get caught up in how I respond to truth-led philosophy or I respond to grace-led philosophy, but there is a way to respond to it like Jesus. What he's saying here is that don't get caught up in either way. Follow me. Follow Jesus. Because when it comes to truth and grace, anybody, everybody know what this is? It's a rubber band, okay? What is this rubber band's job? Stretch, to cause tension, correct? That, when, that's what this, so right now, this rubber band is not doing its job. And so when I hear people get in arguments over truth and grace and who's right and who's wrong, I think of it this way. There, there's some people who are only truth-focused, and when the rubber band's around the truth finger and that's all it is, is the rubber band serving its purpose? And then there's some people who are just focused on grace and grace alone. There's no truth, there's no biblical backing, it's just all grace, grace, grace. Is this serving its purpose? But when we look at how Jesus responded, Jesus responded with truth and grace. What I like to say is Jesus lived in the tension See, now the rubber band is serving its purpose. It's doing what it's supposed to do. It's living in truth and grace, and there's tension here. Because when Jesus sat at the well, and he talked to sinners, and he dined with sinners, and he stood up for a woman caught in adultery, he's showing grace, right? But what does Jesus say? Now go and sin no more. We as Christ followers should not be caught up just in what is right and what is wrong. We should learn to live in the tension like Jesus We should learn to live in this middle ground of tension, of truth and grace, tradition and God and how I feel and all of it should be tension filled because that's where Jesus is. When we find ourselves so heavy on one end that it's the only way, we're not serving our purpose. We're not looking like our savior, amen? 
So let's continue to read in Colossians. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in, in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. The thing that sticks out to me here is very important. We are complete in Christ. We are complete. We are complete in Christ through our union with him. And there's something we need to know. This is a fact to be enjoyed, not achieved. This completion that Paul is talking about in union with Christ is a fact to be enjoyed, not something to strive to achieve. Your completion is a one-sided affair. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. It's always him. And we just get the opportunity to rest in his presence, to grow closer to him, to spend time with him. So let me refer back to this idea of New Year's resolutions. If our New Year's resolution is to go closer to God, have a year that's focused on you and him, why don't we make it simple, make it tangible, and make it obvious? So I, I, I came up with some stuff called what I like to call habits. Because there is some easy habits we could start in our life that we could start today that could help us live this lifestyle that Paul is talking about. The first one, the H for habits, is gonna stand for have a devotion. Have a devotion. Every day, have a devotion time with the creator of the universe. And I know that that sounds simple, but that's what we're talking about today, is make it simple. Don't, don't, don't say, I'm gonna read the whole Bible in two months. I mean, it's possible, but it's probably not gonna happen. Just have a devotion. If it's a couple minutes a day, if you currently have no devotion time with God, start with a couple minutes. Start with a couple minutes. One of, one of the great philosophers, Denzel Washington, said this. <laughs> that every day, he takes his shoes off at the end of the day and he puts them under his bed. So when he gets up the next day, he has to start on his knees and praying to God. That's an easy devotion time. Just to start off every day asking God what his will is for you. To start every day off with praying. And I also want to say, take time in this devotion time to rest in his presence. To rest your soul. To quiet the things of this world. To take time just to rest in the presence of God. The A in habits means to attend. We need to make attending, being involved, connected with church a priority. Online, in person, whatever it is. But we are called as believers to gather together, to spur each other on, to grow, to, to be challenged on a daily basis. It says this in Hebrews 10.25, do not, uh, not neglecting to meet together as, the, as in the habit are some, but encouraging one another, finding all more as you see the day drawing near. We need to make a, a, a specific devotion to attendance this year. And I'm not up here saying guilt tripping, like, hey, come to church or else. I'm saying, I believe it's good for you. Online or in person, the more you are engaged with other believers in the word of God, the easier it will be to rest in him for this year. Amen? The, the B in habit stands for belong. Join a group. Find where you belong here this year. Because I mean, it's great what we do here on Sundays in these rows, but when life changes and life happens, you need people around you that are holding you accountable, 
who are speaking truth into your life. Join a home group. Join something that spurs you on. Maybe it's the men's ministry night that we're talking about. Come to that. Join a women's group, whatever that is. Find where you belong. Find that belonging feeling. The next, the I is for invite and share. Invite people. We experience this great grace of Jesus Christ. Why would we want to keep it to ourselves? This is something we should be very vocal about all the time. When anybody asks me, Shane, how, how's life going? It's great because I have Jesus. It's great because I have Jesus. I invite people all the time just by how I live my life, how I respond to situations, how I view the world. They see Jesus in that. And we're called to share our story. This story, this testimony that you have is an art piece from heaven. What Jesus has done in your life, what Jesus is doing in your life is too beautiful not to share. We should be telling people about all these things God is doing. The T stands for think differently. I want us to focus on thinking differently this year, thinking critically. I want us to ask the question, why do I believe what I believe? Very simple question, but very powerful. Why do I believe what I believe? Why do I go to church? Is it because I was just raised in church? Is it because my husband or wife drags me here on Sunday? Why do I believe what I believe? The reason I want us to think critically is I want us to to challenge our beliefs, to jump in and spend time with God and get to the point where we are just so in love with him and his word and his presence that that's why we're here. Not to check a box off our weekly list. Not just to do something for an hour and be done with it. Think critically, question why it is. And then last one of habits is serve. Serving changes everything. Serving changes everything. Maybe it's serving here at the church, serving your community, but I personally want to make 2022 a year where Shane is a servant to people. As I draw closer to God, as he calls me to get rid of things in my life and pushes me to serving people on a daily basis, And I think that if we focus on these simple habits, if we focus on these easy, tangible, simple habits, this goal of being closer to Jesus will happen. It sounds simple and maybe you're like, man, this is the easiest thing ever. Let's just do it. Let's do it together. Let's focus on these habits and get into the presence of Jesus this year. Making it about you and him, me and him alone. That's what it's all about. And if we do that, I think we'll get to this point in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, and it closes with this. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. You'll overflow with thankfulness. This gratitude of who Christ is. This gratitude of how much your life has changed because of him. This gratitude, this thankfulness will start to overflow the more time we spend in these habits, the more time we spend with him, this thankfulness will start to envelop us. And I will say this, there's nothing greater that the world can see than someone who's living in a world that is broken and hurting, but they're still thankful for what they have in Jesus. People are looking at us. 
They're observing the church, they're observing us, and they're saying, how are they gonna respond? I choose to respond with thankfulness and gratitude. Because no matter what this world throws at me, no matter what hardship I'm currently facing, I have Jesus Christ. I have Jesus Christ. He's still on the throne. He's still moving. He's still changing lives. No matter what gets thrown at me, no matter what people say about me, no matter how well or bad I do at things, I still have Jesus Christ. And I can be thankful for that. Some of you just need to hear that this morning. That the habit you need to rest in is just being thankful that you have Jesus. Times might be hard. Things might feel broken. But you still have Jesus. We have Jesus, people. We have a hope for a future. Now all we have to do is spend time with him, rest in his presence, and let that thankfulness start to grow in us. Amen? Would you pray for me, with me? You can pray for me too if you want. <laughs> Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we've got to come spend in your word, God. We pray that as we go about our day and our time, we would just rest in your presence, that we would be with you, that everything we've learned here today, God, these habits we've talked about, would lead us to a place of thankfulness and gratitude of who you are. Father, we love you and we praise you. In your name, amen. What we're about to do is we're about to sing a song here. And it's a song about gratitude and thankfulness. And I know, I know as I preached a whole bunch about this today, that there's some people in here that feel like you don't have anything to be thankful for. Your life, what could you be in gratitude about? But like I said earlier, we have Jesus. You have a hope. God has not abandoned you. He's not forsaken you. He has a plan and a future for you. So as we go into 2022, let us go in with a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude for not what he can do for us, but just for specifically for who he is. That's enough. Because who he is is the savior of the world who died on the cross so you could spend eternity with him forever. This world is temporary. Jesus is forever. So we can be grateful for that.